Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. come to the time in our service in which we hear the reading of God's Word. Today it's from Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 48, and we remain standing to give our honor and attention to God and His Word. So this is Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 48. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's Holy Word. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed Him, for they were all waiting for Him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to the house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do just pray that your word and your truth, your light would be with us, Lord, this morning, that we may know your grace and your goodness. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to show you a picture of a goldfish. I have some goldfish facts for you. I'm sure that's why you came to church today, was to learn a little bit more about goldfish. But here's what I want to tell you about goldfish. One, goldfish do not have stomachs. Goldfish also cannot close their eyes. And goldfish have an attention span of nine seconds. All right? This is a human being. Let me tell you some facts about humans, all right? Humans do have stomachs. Humans can close their eyes, and humans allegedly have an attention span of eight seconds, (laughs) which means that for some of you, I would have been better off for me to preach to a goldfish this morning than to you, right? It's amazing how quickly it is for us to lose our attention in all sorts of things, that um, we might be doing one thing, and then all of a sudden, something distracts us. In fact, we live in a world that is full and, and of distractions, and we are constantly being distracted, and our attention is being divided in so many ways. How often do teachers say, I need your undivided attention? But we live in a world of division of attention. And so what is it that, that keeps us from being present with one another? We know it's good to, to be with other people, to listen to other people, but what is it that gets in our way? Why do we struggle to be present? 
I think that the first is um, this idea of notifications, that we are constantly being notified by something. Most people don't text me on Sunday morning, but occasionally I'll get one, you know. Um, in fact, when I was preaching earlier at this service on my iPad, a notification from the Bible app came up. Um, and it was just like, really? Like, this is the world we live in, that, that we are constantly being notified, whether it be through our phone or even just driving down the road, um, all the billboards that are designed to notify us of something entirely different. And so it's hard to be present because there's all this other stuff that comes that threatens to get our attention. Of course, sometimes we struggle to be, bu- to be present because we are so busy. Um, I, I don't know about you, but have you ever t- tried scheduling something with a group of people? Right, And you send a text out and you're like, hey, let's get together sometime soon. And somebody will say, well, I'm busy this week and next week. What about two weeks from Thursday? And you're like, well, not two weeks from Thursday because I have this. And it just keeps going on, right? That, that we are people whose schedules are just so full all the time. We have all this stuff going on. And so it's hard for us to be present with people because we are always going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And our calendars are full. And if anything was ever to try to interrupt that, it would just be, no, we can't do that. I think also that sometimes we, are, we struggle to be present because we are doing our thing and we want to get it done our way. That we have something that's important on our agenda and we want to get it done. Um, every once in a while, I'll do dishes at the house. I like to put on a podcast while I'm doing dishes. And I just sometimes want to just do dishes and listen to my podcast. Um, this seems like a good thing for me to do. But, but then my kids will try to talk to me in the midst of that. And I'm like, no, like, I'm doing a good thing right now, right? But I have this agenda, and maybe they want to tell me something important, but I'm missing it because I'm so consumed with my agenda. And I think that we do that as people, is that we're so consumed with what we think is most important that we miss out when people are trying to reach out and connect to us. And I think sometimes also we struggle to be present just because we have a hard time being present with ourselves. And we have this idea of having dull hearts. Um, Jesus said it this way in the Gospel of Matthew, for this people's hearts have grown dull, and with ears they can barely hear, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. And there are times when I think it's hard for us to be present with other people because it's hard for us to be present with ourselves. That maybe life has beaten us up or discouraged us to the place that we don't want to open ourselves to other people because other people have hurt us before. And so we kind of have this numbness that happens. And maybe we find ourselves like that at home or at work. Um, I think about the, the movie Office Space. And, and in there, uh, this guy, his name's Peter, and, and, and this is what he says. He says, it's not that I'm lazy, it's just that I don't care. Right, And maybe that's some of us as well, is that it's instead of, uh, maybe we have a case of the Mondays every day, and it's not that we're lazy, it's just that we've stopped caring, our hearts have become dull, and so it's hard for us to be present with others or ourselves or with God, because we're just trying to get through the day. And so what is it for you? What is it that prevents you from being present and giving attention to other people? Maybe it's something I listed, or maybe it's something altogether different. But I think there are things in our world that keep us from connecting and being present with God and with one another. And so what I think this story teaches us is is about attention and how to give attention, because it's a story of extraordinary attention. 
Jesus it was one of the busier people, um, you know, who ever lived. Um, if you read the Gospel of Mark, it uses the word immediately all the time. Immediately he did this, immediately he did that, immediately he kept going. He was somebody who was always on the go, but yet he seemed to be able to make time for other people. And this story is a great example of that. And so Jesus, he had, he had went on a boat and went on the other side of the sea, and he had just um, cast out demons from, from a man on the other side, and he was coming back across the, the sea, and as soon as he got there, he was surrounded by a group of people. They were waiting for him, all right? And so imagine the scene. This group of people were waiting for him, and there was a man named Jairus. Now, this man was an important man. We learned that he was the ruler of the synagogue, and he had a request. He humbled himself before Jesus, and he begged him to come and save his 12-year-old daughter. And so what does Jesus do? But he, he says, of course, and, and, and he begins to make this journey um, to his house. But while he was on the way, something strange and weird happened. As he was walking, he felt the power go out from him. And, and he begins to wonder what it is that, that happened because he knows that somebody has touched him. Now, this person who touched him was a, a woman who had an issue of blood. She had been bleeding for, for 12 years. Now, now, this in and of itself just sounds awful, but, but if we think about who this woman was and, and what the struggles would have been, we see that it's way more than even meets the eye because she didn't just have a medical condition. That would have been enough. Um, 12 years of, of struggling with this, this medical condition of, of, of trying to find an answer that she hadn't been able to find an answer to. Maybe you've been there. You've gone to one doctor and then another doctor and then another doctor trying to figure out what is going on. And this was her life. And, and so she had this medical condition, but that also caused a financial condition. Our scripture tells us that she had spent all her living on physicians, that that was what she had spent all her money on. And if you've ever had a medical condition, you, probably, you know you also have a financial condition, right? And this was her reality. She was at the end of her rope medically and at the end of her rope financially as well. Now, now I, I'm... I don't know what it would be like to go through this, but, but for a woman, this is also an emotional condition as well, and how painful emotionally it would be to, to have this condition year after year and never get healing and what that would do to your emotions. But also in that day, she would have had a status condition. She would have been a woman um, who would have been seen as unclean because um, that if, if somebody else would have, have engaged with her or touched her, then, then they would be considered unclean, which means she would have been an other. This is somebody who would have been on the outside, and people would have known, oh, you know, if, if, if you get near her, then you'll be considered unclean, and then you'll have to go through the ritual to become clean, so it's better not to have anything to do with her. And this would have been her reality. She would have been an outsider's outsider's. I mean, even just being a woman in that society would have made her be an outsider. And so what, what happens is, is really extraordinary because of what she does. Because she takes this huge, courageous risk to come to Jesus. And so I want you to imagine the scene, right? That, that Jesus is walking down this road and there's this whole crowd of people gathered around and they're all wanting to see what Jesus is about to do. And then there's this woman and, and right, you, can you see her? She's just sort of far off first. And she sees Jesus and she, you know, she sort of calculates the angle like a good defensive back. You know, like where can I interrupt Jesus? 
And so that she could just reach out and she had this faith that if she could just touch, she could just touch his garment, she would be healed. Now in order to get to Jesus, that means she would have had to go through this whole other crowd of people, touching them. Maybe she would have been at risk of being pushed away. Maybe people would have said, how dare you try to get close? But she had great courage to give Jesus her attention. And so she touches the hem of her garment and instantly she's healed. She was desperate, and Jesus met her in the middle of her desperation. And I think that this is is part of what we need to do as people who follow Jesus, is I don't think we're desperate enough. Sometimes it takes us till we have had 12 years of agony before we reach out in desperation, and that's not what God wants for us. Jesus is available now, today, to heal, and he invites us to be a part of the process. I mean, at the end of the scripture we read today, it said, Jesus did not say, I healed you. Obviously, he did. But what does he say? Is He says, your faith healed you. And that we get to be partners in this. And so maybe today you have a medical condition or a financial condition or an emotional condition or a status condition, and Jesus wants to heal you. And it's up to us to reach out and just touch the hem of his garment to just make ourselves available to him, this is what she did. She gave Jesus her undivided and full hope and attention. And this is what he calls us to. Now, whenever she touched the hem of his garment, she was healed. But that wasn't the end of the story. Because Jesus stops and, and, and he says, Well, who touched me? And and you know, and you know, and nobody sort of said, It was me, all right. Um, and Peter kind of, uh, Peter sort of, he likes to say the obvious thing sometimes. And Peter is like, Jesus, look around. Everybody's touching you. Like, there's this whole crowd of people. How do you know that somebody touched you? And he's like, well, the power went out from me. And so he, he continued to ask. And in verse 47, it says this. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Can you imagine, again, the courage of that woman in the midst of all these people to speak and to speak to Jesus and to say what had happened, the courage that she would have shown to testify about his goodness and to tell everybody else You see, Jesus was at work not just in healing her physically, but also in restoring her to community. She might have been known as this person who had this issue, but now Jesus was declaring publicly, she has been made well. And Jesus invites her to tell her story. He invites her to to tell me more about what's going on because I want to know about what happened. And it's amazing that Jesus, I mean, we have all probably been and done important things before, but, but none of us have probably ever been on a mission to go save a little girl from death. But this is the mission that Jesus was on. And he stops everything to listen to this one woman share her story after she's been healed. It's extraordinary. Now, I didn't read on in the, in the Gospel of Luke um, because some of your all's attention spans are shorter, and I figured if I kept reading, you guys would have started looking up at the ceiling, all right? But the story goes on, and in fact, right after this um, message comes that the little girl has died. 
And you can only imagine the anger um, and the pain that, that would have faced her father and the other people. Jesus, if, if you had only hurried up, why did you have to stop? Like, she was already healed. Why didn't you just move on? But Jesus goes to that house, and, and he says, little girl, arise. And, and the little girl woke up, and she came off her bed, and she was alive. And this is what Jesus does, is he heals and he raises the dead. But it's so fascinating to me for this story of what Jesus did with her. is that he stopped everything to listen. We live in a, an, an attention-starved world, don't we? We live with people who are just desperate to try anything and do anything to get attention, right? Um, my, my wife and I were, were youth directors at a church in Norman, and she was also the children's director when we first got out of college. And, and one of the things that I learned being in youth ministry is, is that teenagers desire attention, all right? is that they are looking for for somebody who will pay attention to them. And if teenagers do not get attention for the positive things that they're going to do, then they will undoubtedly do negative things in order to get that attention. And one of the things that I realized with the church is that it it was part of our responsibility as the people of God is to notice the good things and not just the bad things. But I don't think it's just true of teenagers. I think it's true of all of us is that we all are in need of attention. We all need people to pay attention to us. We don't need the world to shine a a spotlight on us, but we need people who are listening to us, who are paying attention, and who really care for us. And so what I want to ask is, what would it look like for us to be generous with our attention towards other people? What would, it, what would it look like if we, if we didn't just go um, in our busy world and in our agenda-driven world and just try to, to get to the next thing, but what would it look like if we were really generous with our attention and we really had the ability, like Jesus did with this woman, to stop, to be still, and to listen? A few years ago, I had the opportunity to, to go to Fuller Seminary out in Pasadena, California, a beautiful place to go, um, to, to be part of a, a cohort, a, a group of churches, and as it talked about growing young, how do churches reach young adults? And so we sent a team of about five or six people from First Methodist in Tulsa, of which I was a part of, and we went there to learn about some of the traits for churches that, that do a great job of ministering to 20-somethings. A lot of times, churches do not do a good job of reaching out to people um, who are in their 20s. It's a, it's a difficult time for churches. It's a difficult age for a, a lot of people. There's, there's so much that's going on in their world. And so we, we talked about some of the, the, the habits and what we need to do. Now, one of the things that they said that's really important is this idea of empathy, all right, that we need to be people who are empathetic to, to people who are in different stages than we are. And, and empathy is really about listening and listening and listening and just being with um, and so what the, they, they taught us about this, and they said, you know, what, what young adults are not looking for is your advice. They're looking for your presence. And so later on, uh, after, after we had this sort of training, we, we then go to dinner as a group of people. And so there, we have a couple of, of young adults in their 20s that are there. And, and so at dinner, they begin to, to share their hearts about um, how, how the, some of the challenges that they're at with their life and with their life in ministry. And so what do we do, us older, wiser people, is we start telling them what they should do next. Like, we just had this training, and yet still it was hard for it to sink into our bones that that what we immediately wanted to do was to give advice instead of give an ear. 
this is what we all want to do. We think if somebody's telling us their problem, it's because they want us to solve it. When most of the time, people don't want us to solve their problems. They want us to sit with them in the midst of their problems. Spouses, and I'm not the best at this, all right, but spouses, this I think is really true for us, is that, is that oftentimes our spouse doesn't want us to solve the situation. They want, us to, they want to be listened to in the midst of it. And I think this is the challenge of us, is that so often we want to be the answer when the answer is already done for us in Jesus. But here in the story, it's kind of crazy because Jesus stopped everything and he was with this woman. And, and he did something. And, I, and, and when we were at Fuller at this training, they told us the three most loving words. And I wasn't really sure if I believed that these were the three most loving words. But as, I, as I've gone a little further, I agree with them. That the three most loving words are this, tell me more. Because it's an invitation to I care. It is telling other people that, that what you say matters, and I'm not trying to solve your problem, I'm trying to understand you. Do you see the difference? We often treat people as problems to be solved instead of people to be with. Now, here's what I've learned. If people want your advice, they will ask for it. They'll say, so what do you think I should do? But if they don't ask for your advice, they probably don't want your advice. And in fact, if you give them advice, they may just reject it offhand, even if it's the right thing. It's been said many times, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so what Jesus did here is extraordinary. Because he told this woman, tell me more. Tell me your story. Tell me what happened. And he stopped everything and paid attention. And this is his invitation to us as well. We're going to be busy people. And we're going to have our agendas, and, and maybe even sometimes we're just going to go numb. But what Jesus invites us to is to be still and to be present. People don't need a Savior. They already have one. They need somebody who would be with them. I've got a friend named Thad, and, and Thad calls it sitting on the curb with somebody. Um, and he just says, I need somebody who would just sit on the curb with me and listen to me. Don't we all? And what would it look like if everybody in this room said, you know what, in this week that I'm about to live in and I'm going to be going and doing all sorts of stuff, am I going to be willing to be still and to listen to somebody? Am I going to be willing to set my agenda aside of what I think needs to happen and just listen to somebody? To invite them to say, tell me more. Now here's, let me give you a piece of advice. If you say, tell me more like four or five times in a row, they'll pick up that you're using this all the time. So say it in different ways, all right? You know, tell me more about that. Ooh, I don't understand. Can you share a little bit more? Those sort of things, all right? But use this as a tool to do that and just be still and be present. And what a gift it will be. Now, one of the things that will happen is if you do this well, people will tell you more than you wanted to know. You've been there, haven't you? You didn't even say, tell me more. You just said, how was your day? And they'll say, I'll tell you about my day today. Da, 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 da. <sighs> what a gift. God has given you the opportunity to be the very presence of God for this person. And he's entrusted you to do that. So can you do that? And sometimes we do have to go to the next things. We have to pick up our kid or whatever the case may be, and we have to move on. But we can move on, but we can follow up. You say, boy, this matters so much to me. I really, honestly, I'm so sorry I don't have time right now, but I'd love to come back to this conversation. Can I call you tomorrow? 
because I really want to hear that. Can we be people who are generous with their attention? When I do funerals, I can tell the people who have been generous with their attention. Because the people who are there around the room and they talk about them, they say they always made time for me. They made me feel like I was the only person in the room. What a legacy that would be. Because I imagine in that big crowd of people, that woman felt that she was the only person that Jesus was talking to. If we could do that, what a gift that would be. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.